Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Maroon and Bold, Central Michigan Life's home for everything CMU sports related. I'm sports editor Mitch Fosford. I will be your host throughout today. I will be joined along here by other reporters as well, talking everything CMU sports related. Before we get too far, let's go over the upcoming week for games for CMU sports. Let's start first with women's soccer. They will be at home on Thursday, October 30th at 7 p.m. at the CMU Soccer Complex to host Northern Illinois. They're coming off two straight MAC losses. We'll have Noah, we'll have staff reporter Noah Wolbrook on here momentarily to discuss those games and the future of the season. Then Sunday, October 3rd, the soccer team travels to Kalamazoo to play that school from Kalamazoo at 2 p.m. Volleyball also travels to Kalamazoo for a set of matches against the Broncos. Uh, the first match between CMU and WMU, I guess I'll say it will be Friday, October 1st at 6 p.m. With the second match set for Saturday the 2nd at 3 p.m. We will have staff reporter Sean Chase come on in the middle of the show to talk about their last set of matches with a split with Northern Illinois. And also a couple of highlight players so far this season. As for CMU Field Hockey coming off a massive monumental program win. A one nothing win over number 23 ranked Kent State. Next week we will have staff reporter Ashley Birkness. On to discuss CMU field hockey. Uh, they have a pair of road games also this weekend. A lot of road action for the, for Chippewa Sports. Kind of unfortunate for the first episode. Uh, Friday, October 1st, they travel to Longwood. That's set to start at noon. And then Sunday, October 3rd, at 1 p.m., they face St. Francis on the road. And then finally, off a 21-point rally in the fourth quarter Saturday against Florida International, CMU football begins... Maction time at Miami of Ohio. A rematch of the 2019 MAC title game, which I don't want to talk about right now. Kickoff for that will be 3:30 p.m. this Saturday, October 2nd. So, if you want, if you want to catch home, see me reaction Thursday night against NAU women's soccer 7 p.m. at Soccer Complex. Let's try and pack that song gun. All right. First home game against MSU, great turnout early in the season. Let's see if we can pack up that soccer complex for the team. Huh? What do you say? But without further ado, let's get to our first little let's get to our first segment. Alright, joining me now in the CMI Sports Desk recording room in my apartment. Staff reporter and Central Michigan Life Soccer reporter, Noah Wolbrecht. Noah, how are we doing today? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? Hey, you know what? Uh, we're recording a Sunday here, not that bad of a day so far, but uh we're here to talk about some CMU soccer. I think right now we're just coming off a 2-1 loss to Ball State. Just kind of break that game down for us. What went right and what went wrong? First half first half was uh, pretty even to start. Both teams were solid on offense and on defense. They got both got a goal within the first, I think, 19 minutes of the game. So it was a, it was a nice, like, uh, exciting start. But Central started kind of fading away a little bit towards the end. And they kind of push. What what I've noticed with the team this year is at the end of the, of the half and at the end of the game, they really push the pace. But in that middle section, when they're kind of subbing in and out, it kind of gets a little stagnant. But once it got to the second half, they started off very slow. They got stuck at midfield. Um... They they just they struggled to get to the goal. They didn't even end up getting any shots on goal in the second half. And uh, Ball State just put one in the back of the net, and that kind of that that ended it. So 
it was a tough game. Ball State did play really good on defense, uh, holding them, but a tough loss for now 0-2 in the MAC. Yeah, but it looks like we're just looking at the box score really quick. First half shots were 93 in favor of Ball State, then 5 nothing. also Ball State's second half. Looks like shots on that were 7-1. Total. You kind of mentioned in the second half they get a little stagnant for a little period of making subs. And, like, why do you think just for that reason they just seem to, like, kind of, like, get stuck in a certain gear? I feel like once like once they get a goal, the confidence is all. I mean, then this goes for really any sport. Once you start seeing, like, the game go your way it's a confidence booster for the team but when they're not scoring any goals for such a long period of time and they're not getting down the field it kind of everybody just they're not moving like they were they don't have that same push so and it's not a knock against any of the players at all because that's just natural how it happens but there there just wasn't any spark in what they were doing they're they're trying to push it upfield but there was no light at the end of the tunnel Gotcha, that makes sense. And then Thursday's game, one nothing loss at Miami. What was your big takeaway from that? Obviously, overtime, you push that things, you're scoreless going after 90 minutes, but what were your thoughts on that overtime loss on Thursday? Yeah, so when I uh, talked with Coach Groves after the game, um, he, he said that it was really disappointing, obviously, for them to get their or to lose for their first MAC game. Um, but he he was wanted them to they've been really pushing them to get to the goal, like finishing at the goal, and they had a lot of missed opportunities when it comes to like shots that could easily have tied the game or won it for them. It's where they didn't have to go into overtime. Specifically, he told me because it was uh I had to watch his stats. There was no stream for it, but he told me there was a specific time that the goalkeeper was far out of the net and the net was wide open but it was just a missed kick and it went right into one of the defenders and they just booted it right back out so just finishing around the net was the problem in that Miami game gotcha so obviously this week one of the overtime loss to Miami of Ohio 2-1 loss on Sunday to Ball State kind of knocked off a three-game winning skid they were all one nothing games against Moorhead State IUPUI and Eastern Illinois respectively but Looking ahead, Thursday, September 30th, home against NIU. What are you looking for in that game? Well, I'm, I'm looking for them after, after both of their MAC openers. I think that they really need to work on that midfield to offensive transition because when it's working, they're getting a ton of shots off. They're the first one there on their win streak and those first games of the season um, minus the Michigan game. But they were getting a lot of shots. They were getting a lot of opportunities. They just really need to uh, focus on pushing up the field because, like, defense is super solid. The Logue sisters are playing tremendously. Allison LaPointe has been really good in goal, especially, like, just, like, watching the games. The shots that she's saving are, like, good. Like, she's getting top corner shots and saves, and, you know, it's it's tough when those little rollers come in. But, um yeah, I think Northern for Northern Illinois, they just really need to work on that offensive presence because if they're not going to have that, then they're they're not going to be able to take home a win. Understandable. Well, then finally, um, kind of we're in the Mid American Conference stretch here. How do you think this is going to fare out for them in the conference this year? 
You know, I, when I was talking to Coach Groves, and I, I thought this respectively as well, he, he specifically told me that he's, like, with their talent, they should win every single game. He, there's no reason why they shouldn't win every single MAC game that they play. And I, I, I believe that to an extent watching them, they have the talent. It's all there because on their good games, I, they're blowing, like, the stat sheets out of the water. It's, it's crazy. They're just playing super well, but it, when they're playing bad, it's, it's tough to watch because you know how good they are. So I think, I mean, potentially they could win every, the rest of the season in the MAC. I don't think that they are, but I would look, I'd say at least a, above 500 win percentage. So I'm looking for a possible MAC championship run. Any last things you want to get off your chest about this team here, Noah? Uh, I will say, um, redshirt freshman uh, Gail Wells, she's leading the team in goals right now with three, and she she got another one today. Um, she's playing well. She's she's really quick. Um, I want to give out a shout out to her because she's she's been playing well. And then uh, Jalen Dobrowolski, she's been really good. She's got three assists. She really controls the ball when it gets to her side. She's just a very good presence. And then the Logue sisters, Allison LaPointe, uh, Layla Arab uh, has been playing tremendously too. Um, there's a lot of speed on this team. Everybody's conditioned really well. Uh, like when it comes up to like keeping up with other, other teams and stuff, they always seem like they're not as lethargic or fatigued. Um, so shout out to that. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, that, uh, this was our conversation with soccer with Mr. Noah Wolbrook. Noah, thank you so much for coming on. We can't wait to talk to you again next week. All right. Thank you very much, Mitch. Big thank you to staff reporter Noah Wolbrook for joining us in the Maroon and Bold studio to talk CMU's women's soccer again. It's Thursday, September 30th, 7 p.m. against NIU. Big home game. I really hope, I really hope everybody here listening can try and at least come out and support the Maroon and Gold. It's a fun time at CMU Soccer. The team is really competitive on the watch this season. Uh, but that being said, though, let's move on to shift gears to CMU Volleyball coming off. A split with, with ironically enough, NIU this past weekend. Uh, last Friday, they knocked out the Huskies 3-1. to one, And then this past Saturday, they fell in McGurk Arena 3-1 to one as well. Let's move on to the next segment featuring staff reporter Sean Chase. CM Life staff reporter and current volleyball beat writer, Sean Chase. Sean, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Hey, you what? I can't complain too bad here. Uh, Central Michigan volleyball right now, 7-7, seven seven, coming off a weekend split with NAU. They won Friday 3-1, lost on Saturday 3-1. What was your overall takeaway on the weekend? It was a hard-fought weekend for the Chippewas. It didn't, the last day didn't go exactly how the team was hoping. I think they wanted to sweep through the first weekend of competition or mat competition. And I think that they learned something about themselves as well. When I talked to coach Golick after Saturday's game, he said, we lost a couple games a lot closer than we thought. And if we can flip those plays, we're going to be okay. But without Maddie Whitfield, I think the team's middle blockers are having trouble getting blocks and that's, causing the team to fall behind in sets where they would be overwhelming teams by the offensive pressure they're giving. Gotcha. On Saturday, on Friday's win three to one, the team through the four sets had two forty three, 
Uh, on Saturday, they hit right around 260. Uh, normally, when your hitting percentage gets higher, you get more chances at wins, but they wound up losing by two sets. Um, what did you feel was the big difference between Friday and Saturday? Friday, I think they took better advantage of the errors that the Huskies made. Anytime the Huskies made a mistake on Friday night, either Linnea Willer or Savannah Thompson was capitalizing on the other end with a huge spike. Friday, it seemed like NIU's defense was able to adjust to what they saw from because Linnea Willer came out of nowhere Friday night and overwhelmed anything that NIU thought they were going to do. So I think my biggest takeaway would be just the performance of Linnea Willer and Savannah Thompson. Gotcha. Uh, Friday, Linnea Willer led the team with 22 kills. Came a bit on nowhere then. Obviously, next weekend's a big one in Kalamazoo for a set of matches. Friday, October 1st, they're at Kalamazoo at 6 p.m. And Saturday, the 2nd, they're playing at 3 p.m. again in Kalamazoo. What are you looking forward to most for this matchup here against Western Michigan? It's a big rivalry early in MAC play. What are you expecting out of this? I'm expecting CMU to bounce back in a big way. I think Coach Gallick was motivated to get the team back in the right mindset going in this week and I think watching the players leave the leave McGurk Arena what would I say Saturday night you could see something on their face that was like yo the next team that gets this we're running through them and I think that their offensive pressure will be a lot better because I think coach Golick is starting to figure out the left side rotation he was having a couple problems with that trying to get an adequate amount of output from that side when Linnea Willers on the right side. You don't have to worry about that. So I'd like to see how their offense attacks. Now, Jay, you mentioned your offense. Uh, before you arrived here, and I started covering volleyball back in the day, uh, they had a great left by the name of Megan Kern. She graduated a year or two ago. Now they have this – I think last year they had a bit of, maybe a bit of identity issue a little bit there at Libero, but now they have this freshman out of Greenwood, Missouri, by the name of – correct me if I say this wrong because I'm not great with names. I believe it's Ali Gertiza. Is that the right way to pronounce that? Her playing style is the craziest I've ever seen. She lays her body on the line multiple times this weekend against NIU. I saw her fully laying out like she was reaching for a touchdown grab to smack back the ball up. In my opinion, and I'm not the most knowledgeable on volleyball, I didn't play growing up or anything, but she seems to be a secondary heart and soul this team behind savannah thompson she she has 270 digs already her freshman season just started they're 14 games in she's going crazy but the biggest and she's very quiet i've learned too after talking to her she doesn't really she's not the most voiceless person but she just goes out there and shows i can play i don't need to talk and she backs it up every day and i think to have her on the back end it makes it a lot easier for linnea Savannah Thompson, Elizabeth Rosario Martinez to focus on the net because they know the backside is covered. Well, Sean, I appreciate the time. I know um, I know we're recording here on the Sunday after your Alliance loss. I know maybe a little uh, little tricky, but uh, hey, th right. uh, thank you so much for your time, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it, Mitch. Big thanks to Sean Chase, and I'm very sorry for the technical difficulties with Zoom. Uh, my internet connection was a bit spotty, unfortunately. Uh, he is currently still uh, commuting from uh, his hometown about an hour away to CMU as of right now. So big props to Mr. Sean Chase for all of his hard work so far this semester. 
Again, West uh, CMU Volleyball travels to Western Michigan to play the Broncos. Uh, Friday, October 1st starts at 6 p.m. and Saturday. And then the second match, Saturday, October 2nd, will begin at 3 p.m. So without further ado, let's bring it on home now. Let's have our talk with CMU football with staff reporter, Mr. Christian Boer. Now joining me to discuss CMU football is Central Michigan staff reporter and football beat writer, Christian Boer. Christian, how are we feeling today? Not bad, man. Glad to hear that here. So let's talk about this game that happened on Saturday. Uh, CMU hosted FIU, first meeting between the two schools. CMU trailed 27 to 10 at one point, and then uh, all of a sudden, Mr. Daniel Richardson entered the chat, and uh, CMU walks out with a big 31-27 win. Uh, just talk to me how you feel about that game. I mean, it was crazy. It really was. Uh, and those who, you know, the, the typical Bo Schembechler, uh, those who stay will be champions. So props to those fans who did stick around uh, for the whole game. And you got, you got treated. It was like you sit through a terrible lunch for a great dessert. Uh, that's kind of how it was on Saturday. So, um, yeah, Daniel Richardson, man, holy cow. You know, listen back to uh, Jim McElwain's post-game press conference today. And he said that's what's expected. You know, he didn't really elaborate too much on it. But that's what's expected of that backup quarterback. And that's why... Um, they were so high on that quarterback room in the first place, and you know, heading into fall camp and things like that. Um, you know, Sermon, we saw what he can do. You know, when he's on, and he can hit the deep balls and things like that. He can be a showstopper. And then Richardson did his thing yesterday, and it was just really impressive to see the comeback and to see the will and the resolve of this team. Uh, it should have never been down that much in the first place, obviously, and we can get to that. But um, I mean, the resolve—you can't say anything about the resolve of this team because they showed it. Uh, Saturday. Yeah, you mentioned they got down early, but so let's talk about that. Down 27-10. How did we get to that point in the first place? Yeah, the offense was really sputtering. It was it was just difficult. I mean, you know, early on they had some solid drives put together and came away with no points. I mean, the, those first, what, three or four drives went, what, punt, missed field goal, interception, punt. So, um, and they were all in FIU territory at one point. So, that's just inexcusable. Um, you know, you can't get, you can't, get to a point where you know you're right there uh, and then not go over the edge especially against a team like that and that's why Florida International went ahead you know those first three drives for the Panthers all three and outs Central Michigan got the ball into enemy territory every single possession uh, those first three came away with no points so I mean you just can't do that and I think that's what kind of you know pushed the change I was looking at pro football focus um, and in you know the rating of Jacob Sermon they gave him a 61 uh, which isn't bad by any means. I mean, you know, you see a lot worse, especially around the Mac, but he just wasn't getting it done. I mean, a lot of what he brings to the table relies on his ability to hit the deep ball, uh, to put the ball where it needs to be, and he just wasn't doing that on Saturday, and, and so they needed to make a change. And, um, you know, that defense was spot on early, but uh, they found, FIU found the weakness, and it was that back four, you know, that secondary. They were playing a lot of man coverage. Uh, Dante Kent, Data Hill both got beat pretty bad. Uh, and next thing you know, you're digging out of a 17-point hole. Absolutely. Uh, just we, I know, we know we were discussing that like in 2020, the secondary was a weak spot. 2021, this game looked like it was there. Do you feel this group has progressed to an extent so far in this season? I think they have and they haven't in terms of, you know, that's kind of a, a weird way to put it. But I think Deshaun McNary, from where he started last year um, against Ohio, he got beat for a touchdown, I think, on the first possession of the year. And since then, you've kind of seen it, kind of seen it, kind of seen it. And I think he's been real good uh, this year to this point. 
Um, didn't play great against LSU, but I thought he was fine in the other three games. Um, and losing him is going to hurt. Uh, because, you know, I think that there's a lot of potential with Dante Kent and Dayday Hill. Uh, they're both a little undersized. Both of them, I think, are 5'10", 5'11". Uh, real fast, but, you know, and I think the big thing with Dante Kent, too, is and in the LSU game, we saw it, too. I mean, he runs step for step with a receiver. He's as fast as anyone, but it's his ball skills. It's turn around and find the football that where it's just not really clicking. And the deep ball to Chambers um, on that first touchdown drive for FIU, and then again late in the game, you just saw him in perfect coverage step for step, and then just when the ball's up there, he just can't find it and can't make a play on it. So, um, and, and, that, and, and, you know, in some aspects, that's a good problem to have because you're there. Now the next step just becomes making the play. And, but now, I mean, now there's zero margin for error with those guys, with McNary out, uh, dislocated ankle if you missed it, uh, celebrating an interception that wound up being an incomplete pass. So a uh, huge, brutal loss for CMU in the secondary, and it's going to be interesting to see where they develop from there. Yeah, obviously obviously with McNary's injury, you hate to see a player of, yeah. like him discourage hurt in the first place, though, in the way that happened. But I think now I think we can both agree that the quarterback situation – that was coming in. I think we can, we can kind of pencil in that uh, Richardson will probably start against Miami of Ohio. We would assume at this point, but yeah. But when you look at this offense, which quarterback do you think gives Seymour the best chance to be in the most well-rounded offense? Well, I think you saw it on Saturday. I think it is Daniel Richardson. Uh, obviously, nobody's doubting the arm talent that Jacob Sermon has. Um, but it, the problem was was the inaccuracy. And when things started to break down, he just looked a little jittery. And the whole thing, I mean, we heard it at length from Jim McElwain and Kevin Barbe heading into this year was the guy who moves the offense is going to be the quarterback. And you can't go with, with a high-powered offense like this with as many weapons as they have. I mean, look at what Lou Nichols has done this year. Ja'Cory Sullivan, you could pencil him in for around 100 yards a game. Dallas Dixon's right there. And then obviously with Khalil Pimpleton, I mean, he was virtually silent the first three games, but he really came about in a big way when they needed him in that fourth quarter against FIU. Um, and and you got to have somebody who can get him the ball, and, and Sermon didn't do that. And when you've got 10 points through three quarters with that kind of offense, that's just inexcusable. Um, so you got to move on. You got to move on, and and Sermon is as good a backup quarterback as any team has in the Mid American Conference, and and I'm sure he'll be ready when his number if if his number's called again. And then obviously another storyline to follow is Tyler Pape's development across the year because I mean listen to what we heard about him all all year long. You know he's this and he's that, and and I'm sure he'll get a chance at some point too. So um, certainly a good problem to have when you've got that kind of depth at quarterback. But I do think Richardson's the guy going forward. I agree with the other interesting part, but let's talk about this this non-conference thing. Obviously, lost to Missouri, hanging tight. Robert Morris, you just you know, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a beating. LSU, they got down early, could never recover. Then Saturday, we're talking down twenty seven ten, come back and win that. Where do you feel this team is at after the first four games going into into American Conference play? Well, you know, I liken it to when you're uh, when you're driving without your GPS. I mean, you know where you want to go. But the question is, how are you going to get there? And you've got all the pieces. I mean, skill set-wise, I mean, you're on par with the Western Michigans and the Toledos of the world um, in terms of that aspect. And even Ball State, too, has a lot of uh, guns coming back. But the, the whole question is, is how are you going to get there? I mean, the goal is obviously a Mid-American Conference title, and this team's certainly set up to do it. I mean, the defense for me has been the biggest thing. I mean, that pass rush yesterday, 
um, was solid. I mean, you get Laquan Johnson back, and we don't really know the extent of his injury, but he comes back, and you've got that four-guy tandem of Hairston, Johnson, Thomas Inkum, and Amir Sadiq. I mean, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for those Mid-American Conference teams coming off the edge, and Jaquez Bristol's showing flashes of being real good as well. So, and Tico Brown, too, had a really good sack in there, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just a matter of, of you know, with all the talent, it's those one or two areas that can really hurt you. And I think that having an issue in the secondary is just not where you want to have an issue right now. Um, and another thing that you'd like to see is you'd like to see a guy like George Douglas maybe make a couple more plays. I mean, you look at Pro Football Focus, he's the worst graded Chippewa on defense right now. And that's after him being one of the best players last year. Um, it, it just can't happen. It just can't happen. And um, they're, I, 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 you know, at season ends today, obviously they don't win a MAC title. Uh, but I, I just, I'm very interested to see the growth of these guys and uh, see where they go. And because if, if everything goes according to plan, they'll win the MAC. But it's just interesting, and you know, you can't really script it like that. So let's talk about this Saturday in Oxford against Miami of Ohio. It's the first time those two teams play since the MAC title game in 2019. What do you expect out of Miami of Ohio? Well, you know, I think they're kind of one of those programs that's make or break right now. I mean, they're one of three. Um, they played tight with Minnesota, who got beat by Bowling Green, if that tells you anything. Um, Bowling Green, one of the worst teams in the MAC last year. All of a sudden, I think they've kind of found their group. Uh, but, you know, you, you can't really take a ton away because Army's a good non-conference team. Uh, obviously, they played Cincinnati in the opener and got beat pretty bad. And um, Minnesota was their other loss, and they've got a 42-7 to win over Long Island. Uh, so it's going to be their first real test, I think. Uh, looks like Brett Gabbert and A.J. Mayer have both played. And I think that's kind of they're I feel like quarterback wise they're very much in the same boat as CMU and obviously quarterback drives the boat. So uh plenty of playmakers. Uh Jack Sorensen stands out at wide receiver. He's leading the team with two hundred and sixty-three yards receiving. So Central's gonna have to find a way to cover him up. Uh because regardless of who's playing quarterback, if you can throw the ball to thirteen out wide, it's not gonna be any sort of an issue. So I mean right now it's toss up. Sorry, so let me ask you this. CMU wins this game against Miami if CMU wins this game against Miami if they can stop the pass, I think. Because offensively, I mean, if Richardson continues that flow, and I think he's very confident right now and he continues to flow, the biggest thing with him is he hasn't turned the ball over. I mean, you can essentially equate it to maybe a game and a half if you, you know compile everything together. It's six touchdowns, no picks. He did have the fumble. Uh, they didn't review it. It looked like his arm might have been going forward. Uh, so maybe you could have erased that. But anyway... Going back to what your question, they win the game if defense shores up the pass coverage issues because that's what Miami likes to do. And if you think back to two years ago, that's what got them um, was, you know, Miami's game plan was essentially to just take advantage of the man coverage. And, and early on they weren't hitting. And uh, that's why Central kind of took the lead. And then once Gabbert started linking up with Sorensen against guys like Kyron McKinney Harper and uh, I believe Bracey was out, so that would have been Braswell, um, it was just game over. So you got to shore up that. Maybe maybe we see a little bit more zone coverage this week. Uh, one guy I really like in coverage, and not to make this too long of an answer, but just real quick, I like Alonzo McCoy. Um, and he's kind of been playing that nickel role. Uh, Sixth-year senior, I mean, he's been playing safety his whole time here, but I would not be surprised if we see uh, Zone McCoy slide maybe outside. And if you're going to play man-to-man coverage, why not? And, uh, and Richard Bowens is another guy who hasn't played a ton, then I think we'll probably get a little bit more run. But, yeah, I mean, you got to stop the pass, and I think that's where it starts and ends if the Chippewas will win this game. 
All right, then going into this game, who is an X-Factor that fans may not see coming, potentially? Oh, um, X-Factor. You know, kind of a cop-out answer, but I think Joel Wilson. And Mitch, you've talked about the value of, of the tight end in this offense um, at length. And I don't mean to steal your thunder by any means, but just, again, going back to that MAC title game two years ago. I mean, Tony Poljan, what did he do for that offense that year? He's incredible. And while, you know, maybe Joel Wilson's not the, you know, X-factor game-breaking athlete that Tony Poljan was, Joel Wilson's a heck of an athlete himself. And I think if he's able to go out and have a good game, um, you know, I mean, just the LSU game, he helped them move the ball late in it. And uh, Richardson hit him for that touchdown pass. And I, I certainly think they want to get him involved more. And uh, maybe a running back or just catching some passes out of the backfield uh, as well. For the record, you will never steal my thunder if you say, boy, Mitch, you are right about something. Yeah. If you say that instead. But Christian, any last thoughts about CMU football before we wrap up this first episode, new season of Maroon and Bowl? No, man, just real fascinating the way this has played out so far. And I'm looking forward to a great conference league. Right, oh, you can see me play Miami of Ohio Saturday. I believe that is a noon kickoff. 3.30. 3.30 kickoff. Thank you. I wasn't 100% sure. That's down in Oxford. You can follow us at CM Life, at CM Life Sports, at Seabor underscore, and at Real Mitch Freebird for all your CMU football needs on game day. So, until then, I'm Mitch Fosford. Chip ball fans, be safe.